0: This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by human experimentation. Human experimentation. It's only cool when your government does it. My name is Chris. My
1: name is Kelsey.
0: And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. And it's Memorial Day on Pod Cemetery with 1990's Jacob's Ladder and 2018's Overlord. Let's get right into it with our first movie, which is sort of like, you know, Yay, our servicemen, boo, the government that treats them poorly. (laughs) All right, let's get right into it with 1990's Jacob's Ladder, written by Bruce Joel Rubin and directed by Adrian Lin, starring Tim Robbins, Elizabeth Pena, Danny Aiello, Matt Craven, and Jason Alexander. Just for reference, Jacob's Ladder is a biblical thing. Jacob had a dream where God talked to him, and in that dream, he saw a ladder reaching from the earth to heaven. And he saw angels going up and down it. Kind of had nothing to do with the rest of the dream. The rest of the dream was God saying, you're the chosen people. (laughs) The movie also is a pretty big inspiration, among other things like Blue Velvet and other such movies. It's a pretty big inspiration for the Silent Hill series of games. Eventually, we will watch the Silent Hill movie on this show. Mm -hmm. I really hope.
1: (laughs) Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, But it's one of the bigger influences on the style of the Silent Hill games. Kelsey, what is Jacob's Ladder about?
1: A veteran from Vietnam is dealing with what he thinks is like a drug-induced...
0: PTSD slash flashbacks slash... Yeah, and he thinks it's the government's fault and that there's some sort of wider conspiracy going
1: on. But that is not what's happening. So I don't (laughs) so I don't understand why they like
0: it sort of is.
1: Talk about it so much, and they even give you like information about the real thing that happened back then. Yeah. At the end. And I'm like, but that's not what your movie's about. (laughs) We can talk
0: about it. Uh it is available with some with a subscription to Paramount Plus and Epics. You can rent it for three to four dollars or buy it for six to ten Kelsey. Should people watch Jacob Slatter,
1: I think it's so famous you kind of have to. Like, to know why everybody talks about it so much. It was a big deal when it came out. Sure. Right?
0: Yeah, it's also notorious for its ending.
1: Yeah. Do we want to... How are we going to handle this?
0: How about this? After the jump, we will spoil the ending almost immediately. So if they have not seen Jacob's Ladder, Kelsey, should people watch it before listening to the rest of this episode?
1: I think so. Do you agree?
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a little bizarre. It's very weird. I would say it's not Cronenberg weird, which kind of has a little bit of a Cronenbergian feel, but it's definitely...
1: It's more like 12 monkeys slash. Well, I said it
0: was like Angel Heart weird. It's a little bit slow while at the same time things of large proportion are happening. It's like almost like a chill
1: terror. I guess. I I was going to say slash House on Haunted Hill from the late 90s, from 99. You think? Yeah. Okay. It's really, those two movies are what it reminded me the most of.
0: Yeah, um, it's a little unlike most things that we watch on this show, but we have seen stuff like it before. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 1990s Jacob's Ladder.
1: Every day, Jacob Singer goes to work.
0: What's wrong?
1: Uh, It's one of those days. And every day he wonders what is happening to him. Maybe it's the pressure,
0: Jake. They're like demons, Jess. They
1: weren't human. What were they, Jake? Let me look at your hand. You have a very strange line. See, according to this, you're already dead. Something's wrong, Jake. They're coming after me. I I don't know who they are. Or what they are, but they're gonna get me, and I'm scared, Jake. I've seen them too. Maybe the demons are real. I can get rid of the demons. Who are you? I can block the ladder. Who are you? Where are you taking me? Where am I? Where do you want to go? Home. This is your home. You're dead. I'm not dead. What are you then? I'm alive.
0: Jacob's Ladder. All right, Kelsey, can you please get us started? Where does Jacob's Ladder begin?
1: So we meet some people in Vietnam. Yeah, in the Mekong Delta in 1971. Some American soldiers. And they are. Seemingly attacked, and it's a very gruesome attack, but it's very difficult to tell what is going on, and they absolutely were doing that on purpose.
0: Yeah, People, they start to, like, suffer headaches, some of them.
1: Yeah, some of them seem to be being attacked, like, on the inside, like, some, they've been given something, they've ingested mm-hmm. something.
0: One of the soldiers is uh, Kelsey properly identified as Pruitt Taylor Vince, like, right away. We've had him on this show before in Identity and Constantine. There's, of course, also Ving Rames. And, I mean, we'd be remiss not to mention our main character of uh, Jake or Jacob, played by Tim Robbins.
1: But in this attack, our main character, Jacob, is going to be stabbed. And I feel like the movie, it's so funny. Because I remember being so, like, kind of upset with the ending and not being able to have seen what was coming. And I feel like the movie is constantly telling you. Constantly yeah, reminding you of what's thing actually works, like, happening. If you, if
0: you know then it's not hidden from you.
1: It's not confusing at no. all. Whereas, like, in The Shining, like...
0: She means the sixth sense. Don't worry. We'll correct it later.
1: I see why I was so... I didn't see it coming. Mm-hmm. But this movie, I'm like, they're telling you over and over again.
0: So what are they telling you, Kelsey? Kelsey?
1: They're telling you that he is dying, and these are just the last things that he is seeing in his head before Mm -hmm. he dies, which, if you've ever seen the movie Stay, should I tell my story again? Sure. Some dickhead in college, okay, admittedly I was bragging, but some dickhead in college was like, you haven't seen that many movies, and I was like, I really, really have. He's like, have you ever seen the movie Stay? Stay. Why do you name your movie Stay? It is the most forgettable name yes, ever.
0: Totally. Name seven albums by them.
1: <laughs> and I said, no, because who knows that fucking name of a movie? Seriously. If he had bothered to say, you know, the one with Ewan McGregor. Say, is
0: that the Ewan McGregor one? I I been even, like, yeah, I've, I've heard this story it. before and still I struggle to remember what movie it is. It's yeah. a stupid, mm-hmm.
1: stupid name of a fucking movie. <laughs> And forever that kid will think that I was just an idiot. Truth was, I'm just forgetful.
0: Well, that's how that sort of works. He will never remember it. I you will. So. For the rest of your life, you'll remember that. <laughs> and he will not.
1: But so what we're going to constantly see over and over again is him being taken to the the...
0: Field Hospital I, I guess. guess field yeah. hospital
1: is a good way to put it
0: well, yeah we'll see in in pieces his his fellow soldiers will find him he's still alive they'll have to drag him and carry him to the field hospital where he'll be operated on and ultimately we'll find out at the end of the movie he dies he dies so he never leaves Vietnam.
1: I also totally forgot that Macaulay Culkin is in this movie. Mm-hmm. He is his son.
0: I remembered he was in died. this movie, but I completely forgot how much Macaulay Culkin is in this movie. There's like a lot. And he's not even in the credits.
1: That's pretty nuts.
0: Yeah. This is right between Uncle Buck and Home Alone.
1: But he'd already been in Uncle he'd Buck? He'd been in
0: Uncle Buck. And they
1: didn't credit him?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: It's pretty nuts. Yeah. But as soon as he stabbed... He wakes up in a subway. So you're supposed to be thinking that this is all PTSD.
0: Right. Yeah. It happened in the past and he had a dream about it, remembering it, and when he wakes up in the subway.
1: Which I guess kind of works, but it's pretty obvious that he's dying throughout the film. I don't know. I don't know. You
0: think it's obvious that he's dying? I mean, obviously something's wrong with him.
1: I don't know. I, I guess just watching it this second time, it just felt like they were blatantly telling you.
0: Again, it's one of those things where if you know what's happening, it's all laid out there. You can see it all.
1: He wakes up in a subway, and when he gets off, I don't know what the first sign says, but the second sign says hell. So it's like he's at the he's at the train station. Uh-huh. He doesn't know which way he's going to go yet, which I'm like, that's kind of a fucked up thing to say. Like he's in purgatory, and they have to judge his soul. Maybe.
0: I mean theoretically that happens to everyone. It's not like he's some sort of asshole and that's why.
1: Right, cuz he's going to make it. Yeah. He's going to get the stairway to heaven. He's going to get the kid. stairway to
0: heaven. Yes, the Jacob's ladder. <laughs> uh so
1: which why? Why couldn't it have been a ladder?
0: I mean, really. It doesn't make a lot of sense that he sees a ladder going from earth to heaven. Jacob in the Bible in Genesis. And He sees angels going up. Like, how big is this ladder? Is it really wide? Is it really a staircase? What is it really? So, yeah, all you religious theorists out there, you know, chime in (laughs) with with your two cents. But, uh, yeah, he sees angels going up and down it. And it's like, if it's just a normal ass ladder, you wouldn't be able to see that. But still. (laughs) So I don't begrudge this movie that. Uh, But anyway, yes, he does... He gets off the subway and then all the exits are blocked off. Not before he sees what appears to be a homeless person on the subway and something writhing in between their legs. Mm-hmm. Which is a tale.
1: Yeah, and he's going to see some creepy shots of people. Like, there's always going to be people staring at him from mm-hmm. windows and stuff and people waving at him. And that, I think, is the best element of scare here uh, is just the creepy factor, because when you get into the head-shaking thing, I guess it's just, you know, when I was a kid, that did terrify me. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it reminds me a lot of Used House of Used a on lot Hill.
0: in other places, yeah.
1: And I'm just like, now it just seems lame.
0: <laughs> a little bit. That's what they, they gave the enemies that. If you don't know what we're talking about, they film shaking his head, but keeping the rest of his body still at like two to four frames a second, like really, really slowly. And then when you play it back at, you know, 24 frames a second, it looks like it's moving really fast and it gives this really odd effect. Yeah. And Silent Hill, they gave that to the enemies. The enemies would move like that and they'd shake and twitch. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And like I said, now it just seems kind of lame. Yeah. <laughs> But it totally worked on me when I was a kid. Do not get uh me wrong. That shit scared the hell out of me when I was a kid. In fact, I think I might have seen this movie. I thought I had said I only saw it once. But now I think about it more. I'm like, I think I saw it once when I was young. And it scared me so bad that I never watched it again. Like, I don't think I saw the whole thing. Just Uh part of it. And then I rewatched it as an adult But I don't really remember. I I remember not liking the ending. Yeah. And now I'm like, again, I'm like, now I watch it. And I'm like, oh, they're telling me. And in a way, I kind of like that. So it's funny because normally I like twist endings. But this one... It felt like it was a cheat because they they lean so heavily into the conspiracy thing, Uh just for that to be meaningless. And I still feel that way. Well,
0: I mean, okay, so it's meaningless to Jacob's story in particular. It's not meaningless to what the movie's trying to say. And I mean, the reality is this is indisputable. The reality is our government and in particular our military have been absolutely awful to our soldiers repeatedly, sometimes due to race, sometimes not. Uh, But experimenting with things on them, things like mustard gas or BZ, which is specifically mentioned uh, here. And then we find out decades later when those documents are unclassified that, yes, it did happen. This isn't some fucking conspiracy theory. Our government is telling us, yes, we did that.
1: Did we know that in 1990? Yes. Or had they had they well, it, it by then?
0: certain things, um, God, I think mustard gas we found out about in the mid-90s, like 93 or something like that. I could be wrong. Uh, but like there are still ongoing class action lawsuits uh, that have been going on for like decades now in the 2000s. And I'm 2000s fine if that's what you want
1: to make your movie about, but that's not what this is going to be about if you're going to make it all about the fact that he's dying, and that's the big twist at the end. If that's what you're going for, then this is very, it feels out of place.
0: Well, it does need to make you feel, I mean, because ultimately he dies because of that experiment. That's why he dies.
1: So you think that that's true? Because they didn't, they never confirmed that. That could well, all they give be you in the, his mind. They
0: give you the title card in the end. And then what we see is that he is stabbed by one of his own men. When we actually see what actually happens. But
1: that's the thing. Is that what's actually happening? This is an unreliable narrator. For all I know, that could just be fitting into the point that they're making.
0: Fair enough. But the more you watch, the more is revealed. And the further the movie goes on, the more that's revealed to you is that they were being experimented on. But how can
1: you believe anything that they tell you in his dream world?
0: I agree. There is this weird sort of like, how can he know certain things like Matt Craven comes in, the actor Matt Craven comes in, and is like, hey, I'm the scientist, I made the stuff that they tested on you, I didn't realize it was going to work like this, I know, and they want to keep you and me quiet about it. But if he's dying this whole time, before he even knew that it was, he was being exposed to it, is that just him extrapolating things from, they give him a shot of something, or they mix it in his food, or whatever, and then all of a sudden... He starts feeling crazy, everyone gets these headaches, and then he's stabbed by his own fellow soldier, and maybe he's just extrapolating that. Uh, It could very well be. But then, outside of him, the movie gives us a title card specifically calling out BZ. So, I think, yes, you can walk away with this saying that that's exactly what happened.
1: Okay, well, it's very difficult when you deal with unreliable narrators. Sure.
0: Sure. Absolutely it is.
1: Like, you can say all you want to, well, this is real and this isn't real, but it's like...
0: Based on what criteria? Yeah,
1: based on just the fact that that's what you say is true.
0: But, I mean, it's a pretty big theme throughout the movie, whether whether he's a reliable narrator or not. I think it's pretty obvious that the movie's not saying, no, the government is great. (laughs) And they didn't do stuff to the soldiers. Like, it's very obviously saying that they did do that.
1: Right. I guess... I guess it's just because they wanted that twist so bad. They ruin. They kind of cheapen.
0: I see why. I see what you're saying. For the sure. Point that they're making. For sure.
1: If you wanted me to focus on that, then that's how you should have ended it. Yeah. Like this is what happened, as opposed to. Ah, he's yeah. dying, uh-huh. and it totally changes the whole <laughs> feeling of the movie.
0: One thing that I really do like about the movie, though, is that within his hallucination, he makes up this world for himself, and then he he sort of vacillates back and forth between different realities. It's his his life with his wife. And then it's this imagined life that he dreams about when he's with his wife, with this girl that he thinks is hot at his work. Uh, But maybe that's the real life. And then when he has these feverish episodes, he is hallucinating that he's back with his wife. And it sort of vacillates back and forth. And I think that's really compelling stuff. Ultimately, neither of them are real. Yeah, I think that's really interesting.
1: Because... In this made-up world he's created, he only got with this chick at the post office after he took the job, which is why his wife left him. Yeah. So that implies that he was with his wife when he went to Vietnam. Now, his kid had already died. That yes. had already happened. Before but he went he to Vietnam. But he was still with his wife when he went to Vietnam.
0: Yes, and then he came so back. he was
1: never with the chick from the post I office. I don't think so.
0: Right. In, re- in real life. In real life. I don't think so. Even though that is sort of displayed as the predominant relationship and the predominant reality in the movie. But
1: so the point I am making, Mm -hmm. how am I supposed to know what's real and what's not real?
0: I think that's a great question. I think that's ultimately a question that can be posed to Jake is how is he supposed to know? I think it's what's implied is that this is all sort of demonic influence that he's getting. He is sort of in this purgatory. Purgatory, right? As he's dying, that will determine what happens to his his eternal soul. So
1: is it the decisions he makes here that change his outcome?
0: Potentially. And
1: I guess some of the some of them didn't make the cut. Yeah. We don't know.
0: It he just exploded.
1: exploded. <laughs> what? How did it happen? No one really knows. I say it blew up. Blew up. He blew
0: up. I don't know that his reality tells us anything about other people's end result of what happens to their soul. But yes, his doctor exploded. Pruitt Taylor Vince exploded. Anyway, at one point he does see Jezzy, Jezebel, is a Which, of
1: course, that's her name. Yeah,
0: uh uh-huh. But she is a a demon, and so are a bunch of her friends and the people that they socialize with when he starts hallucinating. And he chalks it up to a hallucination, but I think within the larger context of the movie, it's pretty obvious that, no, maybe it's real.
1: It's also that he's super, super sick throughout Mm -hmm. it. Which I couldn't tell if the filmmakers were implying that when you would get sick, that was him getting better and then when they would bring him down yeah. from the fever that was them bringing him back to the purgatory? soldiers I right because tell.
0: because the better he gets in this world the more the, the safer he gets in this world so like does that mean he's getting worse in reality i don't know they do talk at the end the doctors
1: they say that he fought like say hell they that he fought
0: like hell and that it was a long time before ultimately he died So, yeah, it's very interesting. Well, let's get through some plot elements so we can sort of add some context to this conversation a little bit. He gets trapped in this subway station and needs to walk through the subway line to get to the next one to get out. And he is almost run over by a subway car. He finally gets home where he sees Jezebel, who says that his son, one of three Eli, the youngest son, dropped off a bunch of photos that Sarah, his ex-wife, didn't want anymore. And that includes photos of Gabe, Macaulay Culkin, their son who died. So he has three sons. Notice
1: that all these names are biblical.
0: Yes. And they talk about it explicitly. Eli is his youngest son. Jed is his older son. And Gabe is his dead son, And Macaulay don't Culkin. give me
1: any of that. That's not religious Jedediah. Yes, it is. Yeah.
0: And also... Uh, Well, I mean, he says I named them their biblical names on purpose. Oh, he said... He says that.
1: Is that what they're talking about? Yeah, it's part of the conversation. I thought there something else at the table. Well, because he comments
0: about how her name is biblical, too.
1: Yes. Kid dropped it off. Who, Jed? No, the little one. Eli. Why can't you remember their names? They're weird names. They're biblical names. They were prophets. Well, personally... I never went for church names. What? Where do you think Jezebel came from? Nobody calls me that. (laughs) You're such a heathen, Jesse. Well, I know, but I thought that it was because she didn't like... What was his wife's name? It couldn't have been Sarah Sarah. Rachel. It's got to be something more... No, but
0: Sarah is a very biblical name, Yes, I know it is. Especially a very, like, Jewish name.
1: Okay, but...
0: It is. <laughs> it's like the standard Jewish name. Like, if you have a standard Jewish name for a girl, it's Sarah. Wow.
1: She says she looks like a real bitch. <laughs> and as soon as you see the picture, you're just like, Macaulay Culkin! Yeah, uh-huh. And then you find out that he wasn't credited, and you're just like, the most famous child actor of American he times? He wasn't yet.
0: He was just the kid that everyone liked in Uncle Buck by that point. <laughs> he wasn't in Home Alone yet. <laughs>
1: But she'll burn all that stuff because she's like, "I don't like things that make you cry."
0: And he doesn't really respond negatively. He just keeps the picture of his son, uh, which is going to be important. It's going to come up a little bit later. Uh, he also visits his um, chiropractor because he's
1: always talking about the pain in his back, which I'm pretty sure is supposed to be the wound yeah. that he's dying from. It, he gets and he again, gets stabbed
0: by a bayonet through the front, and I think it probably hits his spine,
1: right? And again, like every time the doctor makes him better, is that pulling him towards death? I don't know. Well,
0: I think it's pulling him towards at least the light because he he does explicitly call Louis an angel, an angel a cherub. You, know, you look like an
1: angel, Louis. Like an overgrown cherub. Anyone ever tell you that? Yeah. You. Every time I see you. Your lifesaver, Louis.
0: I know. Like an overgrown chair, but I think isn't is he
1: the he one who dies?
0: No, not that doctor. Okay, <laughs> it's the therapist that he sees for his PTSD. The VA doctor, I think that uh, that ends up getting blown up uh, in a car, and he calls him a lifesaver. And later on, Louis will explicitly quote, "Well." I guess he will explicitly come in and save him, but I guess you can put save in quotes.
1: Right. And he will tell him, stop being afraid, you know, maybe they're just trying to lead you somewhere better. Yeah. Which, like, some of them aren't.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it's very, like, how is he supposed to know what's 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 good and what's bad? He's walking home and he gets nearly run down by two men in a car, but not before Matt Craven can come out of nowhere and yell, look at!" Out, and that allows him to dive out of the way but then Matt Craven is nowhere to be found
1: I love at one point these two women serenade him with "Post, Mr. Postman yeah. and I'm just like I don't know why this is happening but I'm okay with it because I love this song
0: it's just fun the streets are alive Kelsey in his dreams that's the one thing Everybody that the lower class him. has the streets are alive uh, he does try to visit his doctor Dr. Carlson uh, but the nurse has no record of either him or Dr. Carlson. And we see when she drops her little nurse's hat, ah! she has some weird growth ah! coming out of ah! her head. And that freaks Jake out. Well, and he tries see. to rush through everything to to find the doctor's office. And when he gets there, it's some sort of group therapy session and his doctor's gone.
1: He asks him what happened.
0: Yeah, I don't know. There was some sort of car accident, but the car just blew up.
1: And he goes, "What? Did you just say exploded?" And, like, and he's just like, "Yeah,
0: we don't know." And
1: you're like, "What?"
0: And that was a month prior. Yeah, it's very
1: funny. I know every time I see a car explode, that is all I'll be able to think
0: about. It what happened?
1: We don't really know. It exploded. What? What, <laughs> <laughs> what did you? say (laughs) so they're getting ready to go to a party or they're already at the party i don't know but jezzy jezebel and tim robbins are talking and she's upset because she's like you're you're always thinking about your ex-wife and he's like i don't ever talk about her and it's like that's not what i mean Uh uh-huh you don't have to say anything for me to know what you're fucking thinking about yeah and he's starting to see more and more of these demons
0: yeah as he's going he's starting to trip out it's like oh man is he having a like a war flashback is this like a PTSD thing but then he sees he's going to see tails including Jesse's going to have a tail at one point, and they're dancing all extra erotically and sexy, and yeah, they're everything. like they're and
1: basically having sex. And he does see like a skull in the fridge, yes. and just closes the fridge. Uh-huh. But she's basically turning into a monster, and he freaks out. And she's just, and he like I think collapses. He
0: collapses on the floor, and everyone's like, "What the fuck?" And she gets really mad at him. I've never she has been so embarrassed. Take him back to their apartment, but like, yeah, I've never been so embarrassed. And when she measures his temperature, she realizes, "Holy shit." He has 106 temperature. She calls the doctor and the doctor's like, get him into an ice bath immediately.
1: And he thinks he acts like they're killing him.
0: Yeah, because it hurts him to be in that ice bath.
1: And this is confusing because that is real. But again, sure, yeah. is this him getting actually better and then yeah. pulling him back? Are I don't they getting know.
0: him better in the dream world, making him worse in real life? Or is him getting worse in the dream world him getting better in real life, or is him getting worse in the dream world? Him getting pulled to hell, and him getting better in the dream world? Him getting pulled to heaven. And I think Which it's super it?
1: dangerous to tread this line because everybody needs to know that no, when a person is on fire, they do need to be brought back down. Yeah, no matter how much they say they does don't need want to come it.
0: down, yes, for sure. But I don't think that you can walk away from this movie thinking. That there is a, like a one-to-one analogy for things. I don't think you can look at a thing happening and go, that means this.
1: And I don't like that.
0: I understand. I don't. Oh, I think people who are listening know that about it. Like, that's sort of where we differ. I'm more fine with the nebulous sort of, it could be anything. Isn't it fun to think about? And Kelsey's like, no, I want you to say something. What are you trying to tell me? And I think that's reasonable on both sides. You're going to get both of our perspectives here.
1: We didn't mention that at the party he meets a palm reader who tells him that he's already dead.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, a very strange line.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not funny. See, according to this, you're already dead. <laughs> <laughs> Again,
0: Again, the movie's telling you he's dead. The movie dead. is
1: constantly telling you. It's like watching The Sixth Even...
0: Sense again, though, and you're like, well, of course he's dead. I mean, no, obviously. I'm saying it's,
1: that's what I meant when I said The Shining. Oh my God. The Sixth <laughs> Sense. Guys, every time I said The Shining. I think you
0: I'm... only said it like once. Okay, it's okay.
1: good. Uh, no, but that's not true. I watched The Sixth Sense and I see why I was led on the wrong path. Uh-huh. I see what they did there, but here. And we haven't mentioned, uh, but, you know, we said it at the beginning, we constantly see the things that are actually happening. Him being brought through the jungle by his yeah. friends.
0: And we Him- think that they're flashbacks to the past. Yes. But they're really the present.
1: Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Him being pulled up into the helicopter. Yeah.
0: Which is a weird effect. I don't know if it's the frame rate of the camera that's only picking up the blades every so often, but it looks like the (laughs) helicopter blades are moving slower, but everything else around it is moving in real time. It's it's a very disorienting feeling seeing that scene, looking up from underneath at the helicopter. (laughs) I loved it. So while he has this fever, they all put him in the ice bath. All the neighbors are freaking out because she's going to neighbors and getting ice and all this. And... That these guy neighbors are able to lift him up into the bath despite him struggling against it and despite the fact that he is completely butt-ass naked.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, but when he goes into the water, he wakes up from a bad dream. So this has all been a bad dream up to this point, And he wakes up in Sarah's bed.
1: And his son is still alive.
0: Yeah. Which, okay, wait a minute. What's happening here? And he tells... Sarah, I just had the weirdest dream. He shuts the window first because it's so cold, right? Explaining maybe why he felt so cold in the in the dream he was having, in quotes. Mm-hmm. And he tells her, oh, yeah, you know that girl from the post office? I was married to her.
1: No, I was just with her. I, I, well, and I was with her. What yeah, a not nightmare. Married. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. Oh, but the sex was great.
1: She had great thighs. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was a fun sort of, like, sleeping conversation that they had.
1: But then I think he goes back to sleep and we wakes up again. He's he back wakes up with in the
0: bath again with Louis Black in a weird single scene moment. Louis Black is his doctor, a very young Louis Black. You're a lucky guy, Jake.
1: You must have friends in high places.
0: And then I said, well, oh, man, this is no way to live. <laughs> I can't make a living doing this. Yeah, Louis Black is his doctor and you won't see him again. So it's okay. Jesse says that during the fever, while he was out, he was talking uh, to Sarah and the kids directly. And so we experience some of that. He puts Macaulay Culkin, Gabe, to bed um, during this moment, sings a lullaby to him, which will come up later. Because I guess it's playing on the radio as he dies yes. later. And so this is the lullaby he sings to Gabe.
1: We heard it at some point earlier in the film, too. Yeah.
0: And so that's what was happening. So he's, he's like I say, he's going back and forth between these different states of the life he could have had had Gabe not died. And the life he expected to have now that Gabe had died.
1: He's going to eventually get into like a big fight with Jezebel. And yeah. uh, he's going to end up, that's why he's going to kind of leave. And that's where he's going to meet up with his buddies from the army.
0: At one point, though, he asks Jezebel, am I dead? And she says, oh, no, you're right here.
1: Mm -hmm. Am I dead? Oh, no. No, you're right here.
0: So what does that mean? (laughs) What is here?
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, yes,
0: he meets with Paul, Pruitt Taylor Vince, uh, because he says, I need to talk to you. And he tells him that he's been hallucinating. He says, I don't know who they are or what they are, but they're going to get me. Uh, We see Matt Craven has shown up again in this bar where they're talking. And Jacob's like, yes, yes, that's exactly the same thing that's been happening to me. We need to talk to the other guys about this.
1: And then we see that Ving Rames is alive, which makes no sense because we definitely saw him die. We didn't see the other guy. Did die. we see
0: Ving? I saw him. He fell to the floor because he, he was having a convulsion a and was having
1: blood come out of yeah, his and mouth. his
0: head hits the floor. But I don't think we got confirmation that he died in that moment.
1: Pretty sure he's dead. No,
0: I, I believe it. I think if we if he showed up alive, you go, oh, he would actually survived that. Okay, I'm and I'm totally fine with that. But before we get to him. Paul's car blows up outside the bar.
1: Yes,
0: (laughs) and he gets in, and uh, Jacob drops something or whatever, so he's not in the car. Are
1: exploding in their cars? Well, the
0: government is using that as a suppressant, right? That's how they're keeping things quiet and how they're killing people off is by just putting explosives in the car. That's not suspicious at all.
1: Yeah, well, because everyone just says, "I don't know." I guess he exploded. (laughs) Apparently,
0: it just blew up. No one really knows. I say it blew up. Yes. In the explosion, Matt Craven grabs Jacob, pulls him up to his feet, and then runs off as if he doesn't want to be seen at the scene. So there's the funeral, and this is where we meet all the guys again at Paul's funeral, uh, including Ving Rames and Eric LaSalle.
1: And they decide that the the army has done something Yeah, to Jake
0: them. is very honest about the conversation he had with Paul, and he finds out that most of them are experiencing the same thing, too. Right? Ving is distressed. He excuses himself. Eric LaSalle has a tear coming out of his eye. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that most all of the ex-soldiers have been seeing things. And then, of course, they put two and two together that the doctor that they all went to and Paul both exploded in their cars. Oh, after the explosion... We get more flashback, he's in the helicopter, and the helicopter pilot gets shot. So it's like a real big ordeal getting Jacob to (laughs) the field hospital.
1: But he makes it all the way there. He does, he makes it. But so they're gonna end up going to a lawyer.
0: Jason Alexander to sue the government.
1: Alexander. Uh Uh-huh.
0: But ultimately, he doesn't take the case because all the guys back out.
1: And I because when he approached. calls the military, they're like, We have no record of these people. And it's like, Well, of course they fucking wouldn't well, no. get that information out.
0: No, they do. He was dishonorably discharged or whatever because he was schizophrenic or something. Like he they're trying to undermine him. And Jason Alexander's like, Yeah, of course I'm not gonna take your case. You're just crazy. Jake doesn't help his case when he, like, shoves him up against the wall and then runs off. Later on, we will see that he has all the papers showing his honorable discharge, which he could have very easily have shown to Jason Alexander, but you can't get too hung up on that, because none of this is real anyway.
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Uh, But yes, he does call up to be like, what the fuck, guys? And he talks to Eric LaSalle, who confirms it, and when he finally hangs up on him, they pan over, and we see the other guys are at Eric LaSalle's place, including Ving
1: rhymes. And Tim Robbins is about to be uh, kidnapped.
0: Yeah, he's grabbed off the street after he confronts Jason Alexander. And there's a pretty awesome fight. Like, this confrontation is very interesting, right? So he's thrown into a car, and they're talking to him to shut up. And, uh, you know, an accident can happen to you or whatever at any time. And then he fights back, and he ends up, like, opening the door and then the door sort of slams in his head and so his head gets hit and he ultimately is able to fall out of the car and they're forced to drive away.
1: I thought they just dropped him off.
0: No, he got out, but it's starting to get more and more public, so they have to drive away.
1: He gets mugged by a he Claus. gets mugged
0: by a Salvation Army Santa Claus, taking his wallet, which had the picture of his son in it.
1: Also had his identification. Yes, so when later when he, he tries to, to claim who hospital, he is. They're yeah. going to be like, we don't know who the hell you are.
0: Right, and that's the why. the hospital
1: is going to turn into a whole yeah. scene.
0: That's why Jesse can't find him either when she's looking for him, is because he wasn't in the hospital as himself. Uh, so yes, he, hospitals. Man, he asks for Louis before passing out because he can't move because of his back, and they're going to try to help him out. But Louis always helps his back, so he's taken to this twisted, bloody ward of a place.
1: Not at first. At first, it's all normal, but then yeah. they don't have any identification. They send him down to get X rays, and then it turns into this just this horrific right place,
0: and and. It's obviously something that is then referenced a lot later on. All the hospital references in the Silent Hill series come from sort of this moment. Um, You see a bunch of people with what looks like birth defects. And this is also a reference to sort of government chemical testing where they, you know, poorly tested chemicals used on pregnant people to help them out ostensibly. Like, oh, yeah, no, all the best You know, we weren't trying to fuck with people. We just didn't properly test this. And then now the generation of kids born with birth defects because of these bad chemicals. And so that's another sort of overarching theme is just trying to use chemicals as a solution and testing them on people being bad or not testing them enough and then hurting people. And so, like, this is sort of a reference to those children which who who were born like this because of how reckless – We are with science.
1: Well, this scene has everything that terrified me as a kid. It's got people acting crazy. It's got people climbing on the ceiling, but really they're on just a cage. There's a cage, yeah. uh uh, There's body parts. There's guys' heads shaking. There's people being tortured. You know, like this is all the shit that when I was a kid terrified me. And this is the scene I remember Mm -hmm. from when I was a kid. Yeah.
0: Thalidomide, by the way, is the drug I was thinking of that but they gave maybe, to pregnant women.
1: But maybe it's just that one I was like, yeah, I just didn't, wasn't paying attention to the rest of it. You
0: had no idea what was going yeah, on. I was like, yeah, <laughs> So, in the operating room, which he's eventually taken to, he's, he tells the doctor he wants to go home. And the doctor's like, no, this is your home. You're dead. The doctor straight up says to him, mm-hmm. you're dead. Dead? No, I just hurt my back. I'm not Dead?
1: What are you then? I'm alive. Then what are you doing here? I don't know. <laughs>
0: is, this happening? What is happening whats happening? I can out of here. There is no out of here. You've been killed. Don't you remember? Like the movie is straight up telling you this.
1: Mm-hmm. And then. Though so it's hard to pay attention because there's. These doctors all have something like oh yeah, weird like about have him. no eyes yeah. or whatever.
0: Yeah, and this this needle goes into his head, uh, and he screams, and then he wakes up in the hospital, and Sarah and the kids are visiting.
1: Yes, but the doctor Louie, is like, "How well, is this okay? this okay? This is barbaric." Yeah. So
0: first, his kids and Sarah show up, and you know they say, "Hey," and everything seems great, and everything. It's almost like a temptation. Right, it's sort of the demonic temptation to keep him from ascending to heaven. Mm. But Louis shows up, yeah, and fights off all the doctors and the orderlies and everything uh, in order to get him out of there.
1: God, Jake, what have they done? Can I help you, sir? Can't go in there. What is this? The Middle Ages? Don't touch him. Can they call this modern medicine? This is barbaric! Barbaric! All right, just calm You're down. Right. Why don't you just burn him at the stake and put him out of his misery? Stop. You're gonna have to leave. Stay back! Don't come near me. You understand what, what is this jury. my jail? Stay back! Take one step and I'll wrap this around your neck.
0: Come on, God! All right, calm down. down. Back! Back! Calm down. And then does his chiropractic on him. He says that it's just a slip disc and he goes about fixing his back. And he also manages to give a speech about philosophy and heaven and hell. It's
1: all how you look at it.
0: The only thing that burns in hell is the part of you that won't let go of life, your memories, your attachment. Hence, Sarah and the kids being that temptation. It's keeping him in hell.
1: They burn them all away, but they're not punishing you, he said. They're freeing your soul. So the way he sees it, if you're frightened of dying and and you're holding on, you'll see devils tearing your life away. But if you've made your peace, then the devils are really angels freeing you from the earth. It's just a matter of how you look at it, that's all. So don't worry, okay?
0: So don't worry. And then he's able to walk again. Which is a very interesting you know, concept. That, yes, people that go to hell... People that go to heaven are basically experiencing the same thing. It's hell for people who, who are too attached to earthly things, and that's being ripped away from them, uh, and that is torture to them, and hence hell. But the people who are ready to ascend, who have let go of the earthly things— are okay with them being stripped away, that's not torture to them. They're just being prepared to ascend to heaven. And so that's sort of what's happening as far as Louis's perspective is concerned. That's what's happening to Jacob is he's having his memories, his life on earth, cleansed from him. And how attached he is to all of that is what's going to determine whether or not he feels like he's being tortured or prepared, which is pretty interesting. Uh, So he's looking through his stuff, and he finds a letter from Gabe asking him to come home, assumedly from Vietnam, which is also impossible because Gabe died before he went to Vietnam. He has flashbacks. We see Gabe getting hit by a car, and we get that bicycle wheel spinning in place upside down, you know. Jez shows up and says that he's been gone for two days and that she called every hospital in the city. He's like, well, my identity was, my ID was stolen, so what are you going to do at which point he gets a call from Matt Craven who's going to clarify everything
1: who tells him all about the conspiracy about the uh, the you know all the stuff he did to create the chemicals and the reason he did it was because he was in jail For like selling drugs
0: He was making LSD
1: So then they used him And he had no idea what they were going to use it for Tells them you know they were using it on you guys Mm -hmm. And you started to You started all to just go brother against brother And you attacked each other Uh
0: The literal reference to Jacob's Ladder here Is that it was called the Ladder
1: The Ladder to Base Anger
0: Yes it's a fast trip straight down the Ladder A
1: fast trip straight down the Ladder Right to the primal fear, right to the base anger.
0: Uh, They tested it on monkeys, then POWs, and Jake's unit was in the test battalion. And it was put in small doses in their food, and it caused them not to become aggressive and better warriors. Instead, it caused them to fight each other. And that's where Jacob got stabbed.
1: I knew it would happen. I warned them.
0: Yeah. Uh, So in the cab ride back uh, home, he remembers getting stabbed by a fellow soldier. That's when it's revealed that it was a fellow soldier. Right. But again,
1: this is all in his head. Yeah.
0: But he could just be parsing out reality. He he only has his reality to work with. Uh, And potentially these beings stripping him of his memories.
1: Well, he's going to get home.
0: But what home is it, Kelsey? I don't know. It's It's his old home. It's the home he had with Sarah.
1: Macaulay Culkin is going to lead him upstairs.
0: Uh, It's this really fancy apartment building where the doorman is excited to see him again. And he gets home. And it's obviously Sarah's home that he had with him. Uh, And he's going to go around and he's going to look at all the photos and everything. And he's going to fall asleep in a chair. And he's going to wake up around sunrise to Gabe, who's sitting at the bottom of the stairs. And yeah, they have a short conversation, and Gabe takes him up the stairs. Uh, at is which he just point,
1: buying a staircase to heaven? Yeah,
0: well, no, he's not. He's earning that stairway to heaven. Yeah, yeah. doesn't
1: that mean buying? It? No,
0: buying is a reference to this woman who's thinking that success on Earth is what's going to get her into heaven, and that she she could just buy her way into heaven. That's not what's happening here. he is earning that could stairway ruin to heaven? Ruined my joke. Yes, I am. <laughs> anyway. Back in Vietnam, he is finally declared dead, and the doctor says that he looks kind of peaceful. He looks kind of peaceful, the guy. What if a hell of a fight, though.
1: And then we get a thing that talks about how this really happened, and I'm like, yes, that is important, but that's not the story you're telling. I feel like if that's the story you want to tell, then you got to make it more. Yes, that's what happened here. Right. Supposed to this is all in his head, and I don't know what's real.
0: So, what happened is the very start of the movie, he's with his battalion. They start to get paranoid that they're being attacked, they start to have headaches and seizures, and they all start to fight each other. He is stabbed by one of his own men, it wears off this drug because it's just small doses. They, they need to get him specifically to a hospital. And so there's a lot of trouble getting him to the field hospital, through the jungle, carried up into the helicopter. The helicopter's attacked. He does actually make it there. He fights there a long time until ultimately he dies. So I think the stuff, everything that we see in Vietnam is real. Which means him getting stabbed by his own man is real. Which means that, that reference to BZ specifically is... It is the content of the movie. They are talking about that. But they're also talking about a completely separate story, which I get why that's troubling, that has nothing to do with that, about what separates heaven and hell, how might you find peace to move on, Mm -hmm. like that sort of thing, which has absolutely fucking nothing (laughs) to do with the government testing on soldiers. It's just sort of the context that it occurs within. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Yeah. So I I understand why that might be a little bit troubling it's not very cohesive yes uh and we get credits over a picture of jake and gabe from behind walking their bikes
1: yeah you see a lot of that bike
0: yeah you do see a lot of that bike i just want to talk about these things these are some references uh to Jacob ladder that occur within silent hill i'm sorry <laughs> love video games Uh, In the bad ending with Harry Mason in the first game, he dies and everything that occurs in the game was just a hallucination. That's the bad ending that you can get. In the subway, there are all these sort of drug posters and anti-drug posters and everything like that. One of those is in the game. Hmm. It's in the texture files of the game. Uh, the, the character you play as in the second game, James Sunderland, is a JS character, and he wears an army jacket, very similar to the one that Jacob wears throughout this entire movie.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, one of the objects that you get is called a Lynn house key, and it refers to Adrian Lynn, who directed Jacob's Ladder.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: One of the locations in the third game is the Bergen Street platform, which oh, yeah. is the, That's the, the where he gets location off. that he gets stuck in.
1: Have we passed Bergen Street yet?
0: Yeah, yeah. All the stuff you see in the hospital is also in a hospital in the first game. There's always nurses and weird hospital locations, very similar to the stuff you see in Jacob's Ladder. Um, I already mentioned the twitchy stuff, the bicycle wheel moving on its own.
1: There's a bike in
0: there, too? No, it's like um, wheelchairs. Mm. You get knocked over and the wheel's spinning on their own and stuff like that, amongst other things. So... It's pretty influential in a lot of ways for a movie that came out in 1990.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And when it's one of those things. When the first things, time come out? 98, something like that. Let me see. 99. Yeah. So almost a decade later. But apparently it was, one of, it was a favorite movie of the directors.
1: I would assume so. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Can't wait till we do Silent Hill. Yep. Sean Bean. It's a movie. What is wrong? I love that movie. It is surprisingly good. (laughs) (laughs) Of all the things you can do with Silent Hill, it is surprisingly good. It's a way better adaptation of Silent Hill than the Resident Evil movie is of the (laughs) Resident Evil game. Anyway, what do you think Jacob's Ladder has on Rotten Tomatoes?
1: Sure, it's high. I will guess 86.
0: 73.
1: Oh, shit. Okay.
0: Even with its disorienting leaps of logic and structure, Jacob's Ladder is an engrossing, nerve shattering experience. I think, even with, probably partially because, like, those things are baked in. They're not errors. Those leaps in logic and structure. Like, that's intentional, and that's part of what makes it engrossing.
1: Yeah, that's part of the story.
0: Right. Uh, a Metacritic average of 62 and a cinema score of C. Minus, not surprised, I can totally see people walking away from this movie going, what the fuck was that? (laughs) It's one of those movies. So do you think that that's overrated or underrated?
1: I'd say it's pretty much on target with what I'd give it.
0: You would give it a 73? Yeah. I think I'll up it to a 75. I mean, it is a little laconic. It's like... I think it's not as terrifying as it could be, and it's weird, sort of, most of the movie is very just drugged and slow, and then just, like, punctuated by these moments.
1: Yeah, just scary imagery, but it's like...
0: Never once am I actually terrified.
1: I mean, I was when I was a kid, but when I was a kid, all you had to do was show scary images. Yeah. You know? There didn't have to be any meaning behind it.
0: I think I'm going to give it a 75, yeah.
1: Okay. Pretty close
0: to what they have here, yeah. All right, that is 1990's Jacob's Ladder, our classic film moving right into our modern film this Memorial Day, 2018's Overlord. Written by Billy Ray and Mark L. Smith with a story by Billy Ray. Directed by Julius Avery. Starring Jovan Adepo who we know from Leftovers and The Modern Stand, and he's the cupbearer in Mother. Uh, Wyatt Russell, Kurt Russell's son, Matilda Olivier, and Pilu Esbik, who played Euron Greyjoy in...
1: Which one's that?
0: Game of Thrones. That's Theon Greyjoy's uncle, who claims oh, the throne. Oh, the one that you don't like. Yeah, uh-huh. I he's-
1: mean... You shouldn't like the Greyjoys right? Right. But, <laughs> but he's, he's
0: also a villain in this. He's the villain in this. He's uh, Waffner.
1: Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I see that. He's good at playing an evil person. Yeah. Got it.
0: <laughs> uh, operation Overlord was the real name of an operation in World War II. It was the codename for the Battle of Normandy, which is sort of the Allied forces take back of a lot of Uh, Europe from the Nazis, specifically in this case, France, Uh, that along with Operation Neptune are uh, D-Day. So Overlord and Neptune together are what D-Day was. Kelsey, what is Overlord about?
1: Soldiers in the chaos of Normandy, because if you know anything about it, it was a huge... Clusterfuck! Clusterfuck! It, it did not go to plan at all, and yet it, and won- it worked out. Yeah, it worked yeah. out. <laughs> but that's just—I think we did that by sheer numbers. <laughs> These soldiers—they have a specific mission. Their specific mission is to take down this tower to help with communications. I so guess
0: the problem is, is they want to—they want to shut down communications for the Nazis, so they cannot communicate the location of the air support that's coming in to protect. The Normandy landers, right? Got it. So they're coming to invade the beach in Normandy, and that beach is going to get air support, and that invasion is not going to work if that air support gets shot down. So these guys are going in early to take down those radio communications.
1: It's about...
0: What they tr- find th- when try, they get yeah, there. <laughs> them trying to take that
1: down and what they find when they get there.
0: Which is horrific stuff. Yeah. It feels like Wolfenstein the movie, have you ever played the Wolfenstein games? I have not. It's a lot of World War II action stuff and this sort of occult science that a lot of people are fascinated about with the Nazis and zombies and shit like that. The movie is on Paramount Plus, just like our last one. You could rent it for three to four dollars or buy it for ten to fifteen. It is cheapest on Amazon and Vudu. Kelsey, should people watch Overlord? Yes. Yeah.
1: I thought it was very, I mean, okay, I don't want to oversell it. It has some stupid parts, but I right. liked it for the most part.
0: I, yeah, it's not like the best movie you're ever going to see, but it's one of those movies that like, I have no problem sort of recommending it to anyone. Yeah. It was very exciting throughout. I enjoyed the entire movie. It was thrilling.
1: Yes, I was, I was engaged the entire time. Yeah. Which does not happen very often. (laughs)
0: I'll I'll put it to you this way. I rented the movie, and I was bummed that I didn't buy it. Yes. That I wasted the rental money when I should have just bought it. Mm -hmm. That's what I would say to you. You can take our advice or leave it. When we get back, we will talk about 2018's Overlord. (laughs) Three months ago I was cutting grass in my front yard. And the mailman shows up with a
1: letter from the army. Now I'm here. I have no idea where I'm gonna end up. Welcome to
0: France. What happened here? Some questions don't have good answers.
1: There's a lot of soldiers out there, and there's only four of us. Find out what's inside that out.
0: What is this? A thousand yell on me thousand year soldiers What's not in
1: that wall? those
0: people
1: Uh, they have been given a purpose all
0: right kelsey get us started how does overlord begin
1: with a group of soldiers on a plane headed into normandy and they're all very scared and very nervous. There's uh, not
0: much point in getting to know many of these guys. No, they're most... most of them will die. <laughs>
1: they're about to die in five seconds from now. But they're showing you that a lot of them have banter or whatever. They're introducing you to a new leader of the group. right? The, the sergeant? He's new, right?
0: Sergeant's not new.
1: Oh, he's not new?
0: No, the sergeant is Bokeem Woodbine. Back again.
1: <laughs> no, no. No. <laughs> Not him, uh, the guy who's. Oh, the Russell. corporal.
0: Corporal Ford. He's new, Wyatt Russell. Right? Yeah, he's not normally with them. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He is a corporal, but he's not normally with this group. Yeah.
1: Yes. They, I
0: don't think they ever explain why he's there. Do they? He just says, like, these are the orders I got. I guess. Yeah.
1: And the sergeant tells them to follow his orders. Because he's the one that's leading the mission, I guess. Yeah,
0: he is the he is the corporal. So so the sergeant is in charge of everything. The corporal is in charge of these group of this group of men. So it's like just the hierarchy. You may not know him, but he is your corporal. You got to follow his orders. Corporal Ford here is joined as our explosives expert. You are lucky to have him. You will obey his commands as if you heard my own beautiful voice coming from his lips. Uh, we also learned that Ed Boyce, our man, Giovanna Depo. Is not a very good soldier. (laughs) He just barely made it through basic training and probably only because they needed bodies. He was not very good.
1: Mm -hmm. He kind of does not belong here. (laughs) He's going to be one that survives.
0: (laughs) Yes. And we meet several others that we're not going to talk about now. We'll talk about them as we meet them on the ground.
1: But this scene, once they start to crash, is extremely intense. I thought it was very well shot, very exciting, yeah. uh, and very heart palpitating.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because apparently, obviously, there's visual effects in this movie, right? Like,
1: But they're very realistic effects. looking.
0: Well, because they tried where possible to do things physically, as much as possible. I think you would be surprised at some of the stuff that was actually done physically that you might think was just computer graphics, right? For instance... They actually built this fuselage of the airplane, they actually tilted it downwards, and they actually lit the base on fire and had men fall through fire. Like, that really happened. Now, of course, they weren't really in the air, bullets weren't whizzing by, the fire was probably enhanced, but they were actually real people falling through real fire through this fuselage. Like, it's pretty interesting,
1: And that's why it looks so real. Yeah. It's very, very
0: exciting. There are all these planes flying over all the ships. So again, remember, we have Project Overlord, which are the planes in the air. And we have Project Neptune, which are the ships on the ground. They constitute the D-Day invasion force in Normandy. This plane is dropping men early to take out radio communication so they cannot get it to the uh, German Air Force to shoot down the planes that are coming in. So that's their job, basically. And they end up getting their surface to air. They end up getting shot down and forced out. It's very, very exciting stuff. And uh, Bokeem Woodbine manages to drag uh, Boyce, our guy, up off the ground and toss him out. They say it's going to be a manual deploy because everything's so fucked up that the hooks that they have on the line aren't going to deploy your parachute for you. And it's probably a better idea to get below the fire of the surface to air guns and deploy then. Boyce barely deploys right before he hits the water.
1: Yeah, which I feel like that would have broken his legs.
0: Maybe. I guess it depends. How slow did he end up going because of that parachute?
1: I guess that's a point. But I love that when he survives, he did have a friend, a Jewish friend named Jacob, and when they when he gets up into the jungle he says Jacob and I was like very optimistic <laughs> of you. It is it
0: is very optimistic of him. He does not find Jacob.
1: But Jacob did survive. He did.
0: We will find him later. <laughs> So who does he find, Kelsey?
1: Well, he sees the sergeant get killed in front of his very eyes. Uh-huh,
0: and almost runs out to try to stop it. And very reasonably, Wyatt Russell, Corporal Ford, stops him from doing so. And he's like, yeah, it sucks that the sergeant was just gunned down in cold blood. But what were you going to do?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah, and he's got a very... Cut and dry look at the world, you know, friends die, shit yeah. happens. Uh-huh. You're in war, get the fuck over it, we have a mission to do. Right. And at first that's hard for boys to deal with, but eventually Boyce does get there. Yeah.
0: They end up running into a couple more folks. We have Tibbet, who's the explosives guy. He is the Brooklyn type you know, with that stereotypical Brooklyn accent that you might see in a World War II movie. Uh, it's very important that he survived, because he has all the C4 that they're going to need later. Yes. There's Chase, who's the photojournalist. If you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., he is Fitz of Fitzsimmons. He looks a little different in this, I gotta say. And then there's Dawson, who's Jacob Anderson. He was Grey Worm. On Game of Thrones. Yeah, he's
1: going to die real fast.
0: Real fast. He gets exploded by a landmine.
1: You can barely even see him the entire time he's on screen. (laughs)
0: He's talking about how he's going to be... Write a book. uh, Yeah, he's going to write a book. And then, boom, blows up. Almost immediately blown up by a mine. They manage to get their way through this potential minefield. You know, you get to see them. It's a very tense moment. They shove their bayonets in the ground. So they all have their bayonets equipped on their rifles now. Just light enough to where it doesn't set it off. And when Tibbet asks... I think it's Tibbet, asks, like, how hard is too hard? No, it might be Chase. Exactly how hard is too hard? Ford's like, you'll know. (laughs) Which is great. Uh, But they get through it, and then they find this weird jackal-like body.
1: This is not your average jackal. (laughs) It's what I'm saying. (laughs) It's, like,
0: skinless and deformed, and it's this dead body on the ground. It's a really
1: funny conversation (laughs) that they're having about it.
0: That's not a dog. Kyle looks like a jackal.
1: A jackal? Yeah, you know, Satan's dogs patrol hell, rip the spirit right out of your body and take it straight to the devil. Where do you come up with this shit? What
0: do you mean? How do these things pop into your head? The Bible. The Bible. How many jackals have you seen with a hoof? That's exactly my point. This is not your average jackal.
1: But while they're looking at that, a villager will run by.
0: This is Chloe. She is a French villager, and they try to chase her down and it's Boyce that calms her down because Boyce knows French.
1: Which is very lucky. I don't think anybody knew that he knew. No. Him. Like, he's uh-oh. not an interpreter or no, anything. you think if and he they did, did know have, French, they would they, have hired him. They did have a German inter. They do have a German interpreter. Yes. Who is that?
0: He, he's dead already.
1: But he's going to talk to their prisoner, right?
0: No, the prisoner knows English. Oh. Yeah. No, there is a German guy on the plane, but he dies. Okay. <laughs> I think he's somebody, too. Hold on. I think he is somebody. Let me see. I think it's Joseph Quinn playing Grunauer, maybe? He's in this group. He was also in Game of Thrones, but more importantly, he's Eddie Munson in the new season of Stranger Things, which we just started.
1: Which one's Munson?
0: He's the the DM in the Hellfire Club.
1: Oh, Eddie. Yeah. Uh-huh. He played who in this?
0: Grunauer.
1: Did he die really early? He
0: died on the plane, I think.
1: Oh, that's nuts. Yeah, uh-huh. But so they run after her because she can't tell anyone that they're there, right? Yeah.
0: She ends up agreeing to take them into the town because they are not bad guys. She isn't totally sold on this idea yet. We'll find out.
1: Now, so were Nazis just not religious at all? Did they have no religion? That's
0: (laughs) complicated.
1: They hated Jews. Yes. But I don't think that has anything to do with religion.
0: No. It's more of an ethnic thing.
1: Right. Because we see, okay, so they had brought up earlier that they had done this on a church. Yeah. Right? And why did they do that? Because they don't they, find it they, sacred. Because they yeah, fucking uh-huh. suck, right? Yeah.
0: Uh-huh. Why would the Nazis put a radio jamming tower on top of a church, private boys? Because they, good Christ almighty, boys. They put it on a church because the Nazis are rotten sons of bitches. And rotten sons of bitches will do anything they have to to destroy everything that is good in this world. That is why we have to be just as rotten as they are. Am I clear?
1: Yes, Sergeant! But when they're approaching, we see this whole bonfire of, like, a bunch of, and I'm like, how many did a tr- one church need? A bunch of statues of Jesus on the cross.
0: So, like I say, it's complicated. They were religious. Yes, individually. Very few of them were actually atheistic, Protestants, Catholics, things like that. But it was important because they were nationalists, very, very devout nationalists, like that was their whole thing, right? The fatherland. It was important that you value Germany over anything, including religion or any other values or anything that might be important in your life. So any institution that valued God over Germany was looked down upon. So... Yes, they were religious, but more importantly, they were nationalists. Okay. So.
1: But so she tells them that she is living with her aunt and her young brother. And when they enter the house, they immediately hear some not so... Okay, sounds coming she, from
0: the aunt, yeah. And she uh-huh. explains
1: that her aunt is very sick and she is not lying. Like I kept expecting her to be hiding something cuz she doesn't know if she can trust these people yeah. or whatever, but it is not true. She is not lying.
0: Her voice will look in and find out that she is incredibly deformed and very sick and she's like, "I told you she was
1: sick." <laughs> I love how one of the soldiers enters the house and he's just like, bonjour. It's <laughs> a really good line. There is some humor sprinkled throughout, yeah, which I thought uh-huh. was good.
0: That's Tivit, I think. We do find out that she sort of like almost intentionally gives herself up to the Germans for breaking curfew just to test these American soldiers and make sure that they hide and that they, you know. That I did not
1: guys. think she did that on purpose. She was trying to get away from them. Right.
0: But when questioned later, she like, I had to make sure that you were. Not Germans But anyway, yes, so they're gonna hole up in her house For most of this movie, this is gonna be like the base of operations They're gonna be in her attic
1: Yeah, but she explains about her aunt that she has not spoken since she has returned from the church Which, remember, that's where the Nazis have been Yeah, it's also
0: the same sort of scenario where she lost both of her parents Chloe's parents parents were were killed, yes Oh, I didn't know that Yeah, uh uh-huh What are they doing with them?
1: What they've done to so many, to my parents. Oh, shit! Jesus Christ! So her little brother is kind of annoying, but also kind of cute at the same time. Yeah, and he's like obsessed with because American baseball. Paul
0: or something? I
1: think so. Our main guy is going to play with him and make him happy. And she will comment, your French is kind of funny, and he explains that he is from Louisiana, so his yeah. French is Creole uh-huh. French.
0: Right. She'll also tell him that the German doctor believes that there is power, some kind of power in the tar under the city. This is what they're using in their experiments.
1: Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, there's
0: only a handful of references to the tar. But if you're wondering, okay, what is this stuff that they're using? It's coming, they're digging it up from under the city.
1: Oh, I did not realize that. The German doctor, he believes the tar in the ground has some kind of power. (laughs) He calls it his science.
0: But then Waffner shows up, our bad guy. Yes. With some more soldiers and... Ostensibly, it's to check in and make sure everything's on the up and up, but well, actually... because he's the one
1: that saved her from the other soldiers. He's yes. the one that let her go home. Yeah. Because he has been sleeping with her, which is why her aunt got to come back at all. Yes.
0: And he's basically extorting her which, for sex.
1: Can we talk about how that does not make sense? Even if he wanted to do that. Uh-huh. That would expose them. That would let everyone in the village know what they're doing to these people. I know she's up in the how up yeah. in the the room. Well, I'm sure
0: there was there was an agreement of some sort that they had to reach, and he's getting sex with hot Chloe out of it. Like I'm sure he's willing to take the risk. They have isolated this town, and there's no soldiers from anywhere else here. Nobody's getting in. They control this town, right? So they're, the danger, as far as he's concerned, is minimal. Uh, And they have the town under their thumb, so whatever, I'll take the risk if that means I can effectively rape Chloe.
1: I don't know why, but I immediately wrote down kill him with fire, which I thought came way later.
0: I think you might have just meant kill Waffner with fire. (laughs) They do kill people with fire later on. Yes, that's way later. Yeah. So the, the next thing to happen. Well, because, happen-
1: what was the last movie we just watched with somebody with a flamethrower? And I was like, oh, is that this?
0: This has flamethrowers in it, yeah.
1: I was like, Night of the Creeps.
0: Oh, yeah, uh-huh. Is that
1: this? Is that what I'm talking I don't know, know if
0: you said thing, anything yeah? about Night of the Creeps while we were watching it.
1: I also know that we've been watching a lot of Stranger Things and there's a lot of fire in that. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I feel like I just watched something where a chick is wearing... It might be this movie.
0: She is wearing a flamethrower at a point in this movie. Okay, yes. And I was Uh thinking
1: of Night of the Creeps when that happened. Yeah.
0: So anyway, Waffner shows up. He sends his men home because he's going to spend the night with Chloe having sex. He will start to go down on her very much against her wishes. Uh, She's not struggling, though, but that doesn't make it any better. But Boyce cannot handle this. Ford tries to keep him in check, but he can't handle this. Tibbet and Chase are already gone. They have gone to the rendezvous point to see if any other soldiers survived, so it's just Ford and Boyce in the attic. But Boyce goes downstairs and pulls a gun on Waffner, exposing them, but also preventing any further violation of Chloe. So they stop him from going any further, and Ford steals his lighter, which is going to be important later. Well, a little important later. So they're going to tie him up... And Ford's going to send Boyce to go get Chase and Tibbet. So what happens with Boyce on his little journey here?
1: I'm not sure why, but he jumps into a truck full of dead bodies. I know he doesn't know that that's what's in there, and I think he's trying to hide. Yeah, but so... But it gets him in to the Specifically church.
0: what happens is he sees all the deformed bodies, much like Chloe's aunt. They get rounded up and set on fire with flamethrowers introducing the concept of the flamethrowers
1: oh there you go that's why i said kill him with fire
0: as he's passing by he is uh this base he will get confronted by a dog and running away from the dog he will jump in the back of a moving truck which is full of dead bodies i assume that they're going to experiment on them i think almost explicitly that's what's going to happen
1: yes And when he gets into this house of horrors, he is gonna see all kinds of fucked up shit possibly the worst thing not possibly the worst thing he sees is a head with a that spine is no <laughs> longer attached to any kind of body but is fully aware of what is going on and says help me please over and over again he will take a syringe of he has no idea what but according to Chris we I missed to the part where he saw someone get resurrected with this stuff. Yeah
0: so a couple of things he sees he's he sees, like I have written down he sees a lot of fucked up shit there's the head and the spine that is still talking I assume it's hooked up to bags keeping it alive. I don't know.
1: They don't um, really bother to show. They me. don't, yeah,
0: they don't explain how air is passing through the vocal cords to make sound, but whatever. Or maybe we just didn't see it. He finds a room full of people cocooned into bags and suspended from the ceiling, and it's filled with this tar. He mentions that later. Uh, they're getting pumped full of this tar. There are people in cells that are going mad. And as he's hiding, because he finds rosenfeld jacob he finds jacob there and he has to hide when the doctor comes in they inject a dead soldier with the stuff and he comes back to life not like aware and like hey guys i'm alive again but you know he's been dead for a while who knows but his body starts to twitch and move and stuff like that so when they leave he has to save rosenfeld
1: i thought that when he took the stuff out like because he's, like, attached to something very much like in Stranger Things. He has a it looks, tube
0: attached to his stomach.
1: Right, but the tube is way too huge. Like, you would think that if taking this, you'd think that taking this thing out would kill him. So,
0: no, if you pay closer attention, what it is is the tube is sewn into his, into his stomach, right? So he rips it out. So the sutures are torn out, but it's not a big hole there. On the end of the tube, it's a large needle.
1: Injected I saw that. Injected into
0: his stomach. So really, the only things that are going into the stomach are the sutures in a circle and a single puncture point. It's not a big hole. But yes, devastatingly painful, I'm sure. Don't worry, Rosenfeld will have zero side effects related to this.
1: Uh, meanwhile, we see the other two that are still back at Chloe's house. They make
0: it back to Chloe's house and they're like, where's boys? <laughs>
1: And the kid is following around the ki- the guy from New Jersey, and it's really, really cute. Uh-huh.
0: And the They're guy leaning New- on that pretty heavily. <laughs>
1: and the guy from New Jersey is trying to pretend like he doesn't like it, but he obviously does. Uh-huh. And it's I thought that was a really He's cute. He's trying scene. to
0: be tough, because that's what he accuses Boyce of not being, is tough. He tells a story about how Boyce wouldn't even kill a rat, and then that caused them to have to run miles because the rat then shit on Bokeem Woodbine's pillow, and basically saying, you're not built for this, but I am. And then, you know, he can't be tough when there's a little kid nearby. He can't be nice to the kid and still be tough at the same time, but that will be broken down. So they escape Boyce and Rosenfeld through the sewer, and as they leave, the camera pans up and we see the radio tower. So this base is underneath the church, where this radio tower is.
1: So... When he gets back, none of them really believe him, but he says, uh, and he shows them, I have proof. He shows them the syringe, which they are stupid enough to just drop.
0: Well, they question Waffner about it, and they torture him for info about the compound. And Waffner basically blacks out when Ford comes down. Boyce tries to stop him. He doesn't let it happen, but he's forced out of the room. And then Ford comes down with some information and They're going to devise a plan based on that. And he tells Chase, the photographer, to go take care of Waffner's body.
1: Yeah, it's really dumb.
0: Waffner is still alive.
1: It's really, dumb. He's just knocked
0: out. He's passed out.
1: Not, but not really.
0: Yeah, so when he tries to take Waffner down, Waffner wakes up and attacks him. There's a struggle, and Waffner shoots him a couple of times in the chest and stomach, and Chase dies, panicking, and having seen somebody be brought back to life with the syringe, Boyce injects him with the syringe. Because it was very tragic when Chase dies. It's a very sad moment. He injects him and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? He's like, I don't know. I wasn't thinking. And sure enough, Chase wakes back up again.
1: And they watch him transform.
0: Yeah, he gets back up. He starts talking. He seems fine. He feels good. He drinks a full canteen worth of water and then crushes it. And he begins acting erratic. And then he feels like he's hot and then his head hurts and his veins start bulging and he starts smacking his head against some of these support beams and, and mean, breaking like, them.
1: His head goes completely backwards and he's still alive. Like his bones are coming out of his skull, I mean out of his body, and nobody bothers to shoot him. Kelsey. Just watch it happen. Yes, you're
0: right. But Kelsey, that was practical. What? They built a dummy with hydraulics. Okay,
1: okay, but that okay. obviously they didn't send a yeah. human's head backwards. Obviously,
0: but I'm saying like you know how when we watch the Thing well it's like a prequel, but also, a re- anyways, when we watch a that, requel. but it's not. It's not a sequel. It's a prequel. So how it's a premakequel, and <laughs> anyway, they replaced all the practical effects with digital effects, and it made it look worse. Right. So you would think that they would just do this digitally. But no, they went through the effort of actually building this body for Chase and having it snap backwards like that. Its head fully snaps back to where the back of his head touches his spine.
1: Yeah, it looks grotesque. It's grotesque.
0: grotesque. And then it snaps back up. And then you just have to have the actor with a bunch of uh, prosthesis around showing like the folded skin and the broken bones and everything like that. And it looks incredible. Like it really does look good. He goes on a rampage, and Ford ends up having to shoot him dead, finally.
1: Well, he shoots him. It's not until Boyce bashes his skull in that he's dead. That's right. He has to
0: beat him with a shovel or whatever.
1: Because as the German guy says, a thousand-year Reich needs thousand years living soldiers or whatever. Yes, he
0: says. A thousand-year Reich needs thousand-year soldiers. That's what Waffner says as an explanation of what the fuck that injection was. So. Ford and Boyce argue about what's appropriate to do next. Oh, we didn't say. (laughs) In everything, so yeah, Ford shoots Chase, but he's not dead yet, but they don't know that yet. In the chaos, Waffner grabs Paul, Chloe's little brother, and escapes because his men just showed up. And yes, he apparently beat Chase to death, Boyce did, with the butt of his rifle. That's what he did it with. There's a shootout. Ford shoots Waffner in the space, but he still gets away with Paul. So this is where there's the argument about what they do next. Ford's like, okay, well, we have to get to the radio tower. We have like an hour before air support shows up and they'll be detected. The radio will go out to the German air force who will Shoot them down.
1: But Boyce says no, because Boyce feels that they need to save the people of this town.
0: Yes, the actual communications room is underneath the radio tower where Paul has been taken. We can kill two birds with one stone is the point that Tibbet makes to be like, yeah, maybe we can do that. Because he started to warm up to this little boy. Now right? he
1: wants to save the kid.
0: Right. When before Tibbet was the one that was like, yo, Chase, you're, you're not hard enough for this, right? He's starting to soften a little bit. Uh, So they agree that they'll try to save the kid while they're at it. This also allows them to take Chloe along with them.
1: But while they're having that discussion, the German guy gets back to his base. Yes. And he's about to die. So he just injects that shit into him to turn himself into a monster on purpose. Two
0: of those syringes. And the doctor protests. He's like, we've never tried this on a living being before. And sure enough, it seems to work in keeping him alive and giving him superpowers.
1: But I love the next. I love how they get in. Explain how they get in.
0: Yeah, so a couple of things happen. We didn't mention it, but Waffner has a sort of second-in-command sort of soldier who doesn't talk much and is sinister. Chloe is going to distract him, and he's going to chase after Chloe. And in trying to attack her and also try to rape her, it's my turn now or whatever, Ford and Boyce stop him. And they pull a gun on him. Meanwhile, Rosenfeld and Tibbet are going to have to act like... They are a bigger army than they actually are. They are more men than they are. They do have a fifty cal weapon. I think it's a fifty cal. Fifty cal. Yeah. <laughs> fifty cal. At one point, it's really funny because I think it's Tibbet complains that he's not reloading fast enough or he's not firing fast enough, and Rosenfeld's like, "This is a two man gun."
1: <laughs> Don't stop shooting! It's
0: a two person gun, you bastard! Anyway, so they send. This second in command guy back in on his little motorbike with the sidecar. Yes. And his mouth is taped shut and his hands are tied to the bike. And when it comes to a stop, he's struggling. They're like, what the fuck is going on with you? It goes on a little bit too long to the point where like they should have known something was up.
1: Well, I mean, they can tell, but they're like, what? What is? What could possibly? They don't realize he's
0: trying to gesture to the sidecar, where there are a bunch of explosives. They pull the tape off his mouth so he can talk, not realizing that. There was a grenade in his mouth, and they just pulled the pin.
1: Which I think was really good.
0: It was cool. Logistically, it wouldn't make a lot of sense. For instance, if they pulled the tape the opposite direction, it would not have pulled the pin. How would they you have you known?
1: you have to ruin everything? <laughs> it's a
0: cool concept. Uh, granted, it's not perfect, but it's cool. And so, yes, they're going to fucking blow up his head, which you see.
1: <laughs>
0: and all the explosives in the sidecar, at which point, Tibbet and Rosenfeld are going to start unloading their guns, and try to seem like they're a larger force than they actually are, distracting everyone, bringing everyone out, so then Ford and Boyce can go in through the sewer and not have to deal with a lot of opposition. So they're going to do two things. Ford is going to find the communication room and string that up with explosives, and Boyce is going to go to the cocoon room and blow all that up.
1: And Chloe runs off to do her own thing. And at first I thought she was awesome, and then she turns out to be stupid. Yeah,
0: so her point is that...
1: I just want to find my brother. Yes,
0: and they're like, we need to set up the charges first, because that's the most important thing. And then we'll find your brother. Don't worry, we'll look for your brother. And she's like, you guys do what you got to do. I'm looking for my brother. And Boyce is like, she's going off on her own. And Ford has to be... She was never going to come with us anyway. She was here for her brother. She's not here for what we're here for. We have a mission. We need to finish the mission, which is said several times in this movie.
1: <laughs> but you don't mind. It's not like Halloween. What was the thing they constantly said? Evil dies Evil tonight. Evil dies
0: tonight. Okay, yeah, it wasn't like It's not the same
1: that. thing because uh-huh. these are literally military men who are literally on a mission to save the world from Nazis. <laughs> right, yes. Uh. It's a little bit different from it killing is. a guy who likes to kill babysitters. Uh-huh. Anyway, so Chloe will go off on her own and she will find two soldiers. And she's got her gun out and she's like, where's my brother? And one of them's like, we don't fucking know. And then she just shoots him and she's like, cool, how about you? And the other <laughs> one's like, Uh, and he decides. Here's your brother. <laughs> yeah, but that, the, the problem is that she just totally believes him when he takes her. To some random ass yeah. uh, cell And it's like why You're the one with the gun Make him go in there And bring your brother right. out Right she
0: goes in first Which is so stupid He could just close the door On yeah, you Yeah th- which is what I
1: thought He was gonna do Yeah
0: but Remember Boyce and Ford Are gonna split up as well And
1: Boyce has been Worried about her So
0: instead of going Straight to the cocoon room He goes to find Chloe first And he saves her Knocking out the guy and then getting her away from the door, at which point we see something yank the guy's body into the cell.
1: Mm -hmm. But also, this is after What's-His-Name tells him he only has 18 minutes. Yeah. Okay, so we are under the wire here. We
0: are under the wire, yeah. So they find Paul and they go to leave, but Boyce has to stay because he has to finish the job. On her way out, Chloe will get attacked by one of these zombies and kills it with a flamethrower.
1: There you go. Here's
0: your kill it with fire moment, right? Yes.
1: And yeah. again, if you haven't listened to our episode about Night of the Creeps, if you have not listened to our episode, fine, whatever. Watch the movie. It's, it's so, so good. It's so
0: good. Uh, anyway, she proceeds to, as she's exiting, drop the flamethrower.
1: Oh, my God.
0: Just wear it. I know it's heavy. Just wear it.
1: <laughs> it makes me so mad.
0: You have these zombies everywhere. You don't know what you're going to encounter. You don't know. Is there air? (laughs) Uh, So anyway, Ford is attacked by Waffner. Because remember, Waffner's alive and he's sort of half dead. He's got this exposed jaw thing going on because that's where Ford shot him. And in the process, he destroys the timer. Like all the explosives are strung up and he put the timer in. That's when Waffner attacks him and destroys that timer. Boyce, while Ford and Waffner are getting into a fight, sets up the explosives in the cocoon room, and he is caught by the doctor, who we've barely mentioned. He's not much of a character. He's just the German doctor, right? Boyce ends up killing him with a syringe in the struggle. Outside, Paul runs in the middle of gunfire.
1: Yes, (laughs) which is really frustrating. Like, come on. What kind of... I know he's a kid, but is he that stupid? But so that requires... The guy who has a soft spot for him to run out and get him. And he does get shot. And you're thinking, oh, man, he got the stupid hero's death. But he doesn't actually die, which I thought was interesting. Yeah,
0: he lives, which is good. Yeah, he gets shot saving Paul.
1: Oh, my God. Here's the moment. The the (laughs) evil Nazi guy, who's now a monster, has caught Ford. And he's like, oh, I'm going to do what you did to me. So he strings him up, but he doesn't string him up with rope. He does it with a hook, just like in Texas Chainsaw. under his sternum? It's- like,
0: not, not in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, through the back. It's through the front, underneath his rib cage. Ah, ah, ah. And he threatens him with his own trench knife. Now, I got... I'm sorry, Kelsey. I got to talk about this trench knife. <laughs> the trench knife you see a couple of times. If you don't know what a trench knife is, it's basically like a combat knife with brass knuckles on the handle, right? Now, since you can only hold the trench knife one way and you can't turn it around, trench knife's tend to be smaller blades that have edges on both sides and come to a single point, right? They're not single-sided blades. So you can cut things, you know, up and down. Because again, you don't get to choose how you hold that knife. You can only hold it one way. You can't just turn it around. This knife, it's not quite like a Bowie knife, but it goes for that look where it has that curved edge and everything. So it has a single blade. Okay, fine. At least the blade should go in the direction of the brass knuckles. It doesn't. So if you if you're holding the knife, brass knuckles going outwards, that blade is pointed towards you. The fuck? Why? Who prop person? Who made this knife?
1: <laughs>
0: anyway, it's important because Ford beat Waffner with this knife earlier with the brass knuckles. And so now Waffner takes the knife and is going to kill Ford with it. Uh, but instead, Boyce shoots him. Now of course Waffner is this super soldier now. And so they're going to get into a fight of their own. He gets attacked by Waffner. And while they're struggling, ha ha ha, Ford has to pull himself off of this hook. And he fails the first time. <laughs> sort of resetting that hook yeah, in like, place. I,
1: like, there's only ah! really so, really so much a human body can fucking take before it just passes yes. out.
0: But it's, it's his sheer determination and force of will that's how badass Ford is, right? In the meantime, he gets off. Boyce is getting beat up. Ford injects himself with the serum, and now he's a super soldier too. And that's what he's going to use to fight off Waffner. In all of this, Boyce has been left to the side because the bigger priority is Ford.
1: Who gets exploded?
0: Waffner does here. So Ford's on the ground and Waffner is going to kill him, and he just sort of rolls an air tank towards him. We don't
1: know. He blew up. (laughs)
0: No one really knows I say it blew up. What do you mean blew up? (laughs) So he rolls this air tank towards him and Waffner, like, it's really pathetic, right? And Waffner just sort of laughs. But of course, he's doing that so Boyce can shoot it and it'll explode. Now, it's probably too big an explosion for what that would have done, but it's enough to fuck Waffner up and send him down this pit in the middle of the room. So they need to leave. Boyce sets up a new timer in the explosive and he gets Boyce out of the room then he closes the gate and locks it behind him and then there's this conversation where Boyce is like come on you gotta come and Ford's like no I need to make sure this goes off and I need to make sure everything in here dies including myself nobody should have this not even us
1: I was never getting back (laughs) this shit our side shouldn't have it either and all has to stay buried down here with me. You gotta finish the job, boys.
0: Blow this whole fucking place up. And so Ford's gonna sacrifice himself. So, as this is happening and they're having this conversation, up crawls Waffner out the hole. He is still alive, but he is immensely fucked up. And so they're gonna have this fight, but ultimately, Ford takes a piece of C4 with a fuse. And lights it using Waffner's lighter that he stole earlier and blows them all up.
1: And he does have a good line where he's like, the tower, Private Boyce. The tower,
0: Private Boyce.
1: You know, when yeah, Private Boyce doesn't want to leave him. Yeah,
0: uh-huh. So we're all kind of mixed up here. This fight is all happening in the Cocoon Room. So Boyce has to go back to the communications room, set up that new timer that I mentioned.
1: And he uh, runs away from the blast, which as is never realistic. it's exploding real estate, around him. That's not the way it would work.
0: Yeah. Uh, so everything explodes all around him until the explosions engulf everything, all the dust and everything, and so the camera can't see anything. We go back to the town, and we're starting to hear a radio report of the successful invasion. And it's during this we see Rosenfeld and Chloe and Paul and... And Tibbet are all there sitting out on the porch in the daytime. And all the villagers are coming out like, where are the Germans? Was there a successful invasion after all? (laughs) What's going on? All the Germans were killed at this base. Boyce comes walking up. Worse for wear. He survived. Hooray. And uh,
1: happy you know, ending. Yeah,
0: happy ending. So,
1: of course, they kind of are trying to set it up for a sequel here. And they're just like, let's go kill us some Hitler. And you're right. like, wait, what? But
0: it's but it's also kind of, I mean, I kind of wish there was a sequel. I think it would be awesome. <laughs> uh, you know, you can get into the more like fucked up Mangala stuff and you can get even weirder. Like the further you go in the Wolfenstein games, the weirder it gets. Like there's wizards and shit like that. So you fight Mecha Hitler at one point in the the Wolfenstein games. So anyway, you can get really weird with this series if you wanted to. But yes, they get debriefed and they get told they're going to get folded into Company C, Charlie Company. And his superior asks him directly, it's quite a mess out there. You were in there. Tell me, is there anything we should bother digging up? And he says, nope, nothing.
1: Yeah, because he doesn't, uh, yeah, because they don't want even their own government. Exactly.
0: And the guy's like, that's what I thought. All right, we'll see you later. And then he goes back to his men and he says, yeah, we're going to be folded into Charlie Company. No, they're not sending us home. We still have to finish the job. And uh, that's the end of the movie. That is the end of Overlord. Although, how would they explain Rosenfeld's injury (laughs) without suggesting that there might be something interesting in the rubble?
1: (laughs) Didn't he die? I thought he was...
0: I thought he blew up. No, Rosenfeld with the weird injection. Oh.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) They don't. Whatever. I mean, yeah, it's just unabashed, you know, World War II heroism. It's like the one war that everyone has to agree with, right? Like, you could be anti-war, but also, yeah, but World War II. You know what I mean? Like, so they use that. To stoke this sort of feel-good heroism that is just constantly thrilling, and you don't have to second Go America. guess the morals. Go
1: America, absolutely. When it comes right. to Nazis, the one
0: thing—the on. one thing that is sort of questionable of that our heroes do is Ford torturing Waffner. Like that's the one questionable thing that our heroes do, and ultimately Ford gets sort of a redemption arc.
1: No, but they prove to you that he shouldn't have done that. They show yeah, you that uh-huh. he was in the wrong. There, there are doing immediate that. consequences yes. to that,
0: and yes, and so and that, But then Ford sort of redeems himself, and he's still a hero. So like that's what I'm saying. Like it.
1: And Boyce is you can't constantly it, saying <laughs> we have to be better than them. Yes. And what Ford says is you got to get down on their level. And, and what Bokeem
0: Woodbine says in the very beginning.
1: But Boyce is the constant reminder of no, you need to be the better person.
0: Yeah, that's how Even we're going
1: though, to win. I'm sorry. I feel.
0: Yeah, no, I know, but it kind of, <laughs> it kind of doesn't matter. It, it the movie itself just has this sort you're of
1: torturing people. You kind of deserve yeah. to be tortured. <laughs>
0: you're allowed to feel good about war because it's World War II and you're fighting fucking Nazis, right? So great, awesome. It's something that you don't need to feel weird or awkward about. It's it's just raw, raw heroism at its finest with some really great effects a thrilling pace throughout like it's just constantly exciting and cool at the same time without being overly cheesy which some of these movies can can fall into that trap right
1: yeah no i thought this was very exciting very thrilling it kept you engaged the entire time that it was fun there were some parts that were very you know, I'm just never going to, I'm never going to be like, yay, a rape scene. That's just never going to be me. Sorry. Right. But like. But it, like it
0: immediately ends.
1: Yeah. But. With her,
0: with her getting saved. Yes. By a man who, it doesn't matter if it's tactically advantageous, we need to stop it. Right? America. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But you know, I thought that the creatures were really creepy and uh-huh. scary, and I loved that you were scared of good people. Yeah. Like I thought that was all Waffner very compelling. Looked great, yeah. Waffner was a great villain. Although, like, I was like, we could have had it could have been various Nazis. Like, it didn't need to be one through villain. But that does make yeah, there it easier on the audience. Enough zombies. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: there could have been more. It could have been an overwhelming force at but some the point. The
1: whole point was that they weren't. At that point, yeah. right? If it was they all had experimental. Been, they probably would have lost. Is yeah, kind of uh-huh. the point they're making. Yeah,
0: they got in in time, right? But
1: I understand that. Yeah, it was just kind of like we could have had more. Like we could have uh-huh. had various Nazi evil. People, well, how you win?
0: How you win against inhumanity is by not is by not sacrificing your own humanity, right? It's kind of the point.
1: Well, I also just think it's, it makes it easier on the audience. To oh, just totally. One villain throughout the whole movie, yeah. but whatever.
0: Well, I mean, I was kind of talking about something else, but yes, oh, I, know I, I I agree with what you're saying. So, Kelsey, what do you think the movie has on Rotten Tomatoes? Didn't you tell me it didn't do well? I didn't tell you anything. you told me
1: it didn't do well?
0: I mean, it kind of came out like a, I, I hate to say a wet fart, but like, it didn't light the world on fire. But I will say, everyone I've ever talked to about it only had good things to say about it.
1: I'm going to guess, I'm going to say middle of the road. I'm going to say like...
0: 73.
1: 81. Shit, okay.
0: Part revisionist war drama, part zombie thriller, and part all-out genre gore fest, Overlord offers A-level fun for B-movie fans of multiple persuasions. Metacritic average of 60, which is crazy low. Why does everyone
1: call it a B-movie? What is up with that? This is not at all what I would think of as a B-movie.
0: Right, but it's more like, like, they say B-movie fans, because it gives you A-level fun... They're suggesting that it is an A-level like quality production for fans of B movies,
1: right? Because this could have very easily been a really shitty movie. Yeah,
0: I yeah. mean B movies. tend it's the schlock, Nazi that they just zombies sort of put out. Could it's, be really right, shitty. It's low budget, bad production. Like that's generally what a B movie is. You don't. It's not like high grade. You don't think about it. It's just you show up to eat popcorn, maybe make out in the back of your car at the drive-in or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's what B movies are for. So this is that, but at the A level, Um, which I think is a pretty good assessment. Uh, Metacritic of 60, which honestly, I personally think is crazy low if that's the average score it got. Like, what kind of low scores did it have to get? Uh, And a cinema score of a B, which means relatively people came out feeling pretty good. Do you think that's overrated or underrated?
1: Mm, Maybe just slightly underrated. What would you give it? Wasn't he like an 84?
0: I That's very close to what I was going to give it. I was going to give this a solid 85. I just unashamedly, I think this is a very good movie. Really, really enjoyed it. I figured I would, but again, this is another one of those movies that we sort of put off watching because we knew we would watch it for the show at some point. And I was right to be excited for when we finally got to see it. A lot of fun. And I'm glad we got to have fun after we watched Jacob's Ladder. <laughs> <laughs> which is just emotionally and philosophically draining. You know what I mean? So now we get to follow that up with Overlord, which is
1: yay America, a lot more
0: fun. And this Again, is much
1: more gung-ho America, yes. whereas Jacob well, where <laughs> Ladder is not so. You
0: have these sort of perfect settings where World War II is the one war... Everyone can get behind. And like, you know, the Korean War leading into the Vietnam War is when really people started being like, should we really be doing this? You know what I mean? So it's like the public perception of, you know, the American military and what they were doing. And is this actually good? Should we be doing this? Like that kind of stuff. So both of these movies are sort of set in the right wars, I think, for what they are. (laughs) And that is our Memorial Day weekend. Honoring all those fallen soldiers.
1: From World War II in Vietnam. I
0: guess, yeah. Thank
1: you for your service.
0: <laughs> so, Kelsey, what are we watching next week?
1: Next week is the Devil's Day. How is it the
0: Devil's Day? 6-6.
1: Six, six.
0: Oh, right. It's June 6th.
1: <laughs> That's right.
0: What are we watching for the Devil's Day, Kelsey?
1: We're going to watch The Omen 2.
0: Okay, Cool.
1: I didn't realize there was a series there Oh is. yeah, there
0: is a series, including uh, Sam Neill, I think, is in Omen 3, as a grown-up Damien. Oh. I think. I think. I've never seen it.
1: <laughs> and then, you know, why not just watch a movie called Devil?
0: This isn't the one in the elevator, it, is it? It
1: is the one okay. in the elevator. <laughs> You're the one that suggested it. <laughs> I've already seen it twice! Okay. Okay.
0: Alright, we're gonna watch it. I, I'll see how I feel M. about it. And
1: nice Shyamalan, the one that everyone forgets about. <laughs>
0: yes. Uh, <laughs> no one remembers this movie. A bunch of people trapped in an elevator, and maybe one of them is the devil? I can And then
1: t- he's going to lie about who it is, <laughs> and you're not going to be able to figure it fucking out. Which is bullshit.
0: Well, if you think about why you discounted this person, you could realize, well, it is the devil, so... Yeah, that's okay, I guess. It's
1: so silly.
0: Anyway, we'll watch it next week and you can hear all about it. (laughs) That is next week. Until then, you can find us on our website, podcemetery.com and on Twitter, at PodCemetery, where we post a bunch of stuff that we come up with uh, during the edit, uh, pictures, video clips, things like that, that don't work well in this audio format. So make sure you're following us there as well. Don't forget to subscribe to us in your podcatcher of choice and rate and review. A five-star written review is the biggest help you can give us there. But even bigger than that, sharing us with your friends. And even bigger than that is listening in the GD first place. Thank you all very, very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next week, I've been Chris.
1: I've been Kelsey.
0: And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words?
1: I think I'm done with this. Thanks.
0: So if you have not seen Jacob's Landing, Kelsey, should they Jacob's see it? Jacob's Landing? Oh, my God. <laughs> Energy, Kelsey. You're up. You're out of bed. I know that position and shape of your eyes and your eyebrows. I know what that means. I know that face enough. What? <laughs> Fake it till you make it, Kelsey.
1: <laughs> what? That's better. What are you saying?
0: I'm saying the position of your eye- Your eyebrows go up. <laughs> But your eyes are are smaller. It's like, like this thing. I'm oh like, oh my God, you're tired. <laughs> how hard is too hard? Well, you'll find out. I gotta think about what I'm gonna say, though. Um, how about something like this episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by government experimentation on citizens and soldiers. Fuck you, am I right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know <laughs>